One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming up on Chopper's Politics. You know, the, the thought that the, the Prime Minister could pogo stick down Whitehall and that would make everybody think, gosh, he's very <laughs> exciting, isn't how politics works. Hello and welcome to Chopper's Politics Podcast with me, Christopher Hope, Chopper to my friends, the Telegraph's Associate Editor for Politics. Well, it's the week that Rishi Sunak reshuffled his ministerial top team in a bid to put an emphasis on growth, the environment and a high-tech future. And he also promoted Redwall Tory MP Lee Anderson to be his deputy chairman. But will any of this move the dial on Labour's enormous lead in the polls? A mega poll of 28,000 people for The Telegraph suggested there's a long way back for the Tory party. It found that Labour would be left with more than 500 MPs if a snap election were called tomorrow. And almost immediately after that polling emerged, the new deputy chairman, Lee Anderson, got into his own bit of trouble after it was revealed he wants to bring back hanging. To discuss this and more, we have Nicky Aitken, who, like Mr Anderson, is the other deputy chairman of the Tory party, and Jacob Rees-Mogg, a former business secretary and cabinet minister, who's got his own ideas to restore the party's future. But first up, that poll. With me to discuss it is Martin Baxter, the chief executive of Electoral Calculus, which carried out the MRP polling with pollster Find Out Now. Martin Baxter, welcome to Chopper's Politics. Hello, Chris. Great, everyone. I'm here in my usual season in Redline pub, and by the wonders of science, you're somewhere else in the country. Where are you? I'm sitting in Gloucestershire, just outside Sirencester, on a lovely day. Lovely. Great to have you on. You've dropped in a rather large stone into a rather still Westminster mill pond called an MRP poll this week. What is it, and what did it find? Well, it's uh, an MRP poll. It's like a regular poll, but it's a bit bigger. In this case, it's, it's, a, it's quite a bit bigger. We've spoken to over 28,000 respondents. And with the MRP polls, we use a little more modern statistical analysis to try and see what's going on, not just in the country overall, but actually in each individual seat and in various uh, groups of seats. You give us the headlines. And the summary is that it's it's pretty bad for the Conservatives, that despite Rishi Sunak being in office now for three months or so, support for the Conservatives has not recovered uh, from the bad days of last autumn, and they're still 25% behind in the polls. Gosh. That is a lot. And what it's mean is, is roughly one out of two of every person who voted Conservative at the last election in December 2019 no longer plans to do so. About half Conservative support has disappeared. And if that were true, if there were an election tomorrow and the poll was just right, 
then the Conservatives would be nearly wiped out. They would uh, not even be the official opposition. Stephen Flynn of the Westminster SNP would be leader of the opposition. And of course, Martin, this polling was carried out before the recent reshuffle by Rishi Sunak. Yeah, so we did the polling between the 27th of January and the 5th of February, which was uh, at the start of the week before the, the reshuffle happened. But it would be a bit of a stretch to think the reshuffle is going to make a big difference to that. Uh, but we will obviously see what other polls come out afterwards. So those numbers, again, there'd be the Tories would be on 45 seats, down from 365 at the last election. The, the Labour Party would be up to 509. They'd be getting nearly all of those seats would go to Labour, 306 seats increase. And there only are, really, 650 seats available to win. So it'd be almost a complete wipeout. And the SNP would be the next largest party in the Commons, 50 MPs, and, and that separatist leader, as you said there, Stephen Flynn, the SNP leader, he would be the leader of the opposition. I mean, that that is extraordinary. I've seen some extraordinary things in my time covering politics over the past two decades. Yeah, so that it would be standing room only on the Labour benches. Imagine 500 people trying to sit down for Prime Minister's question times on one side of the House of Commons. There really wouldn't be room and the majority would be you know, through the roof. Now, obviously, when we got the results out, we sort of uh, had a look at them and went, oh my, is, is this right? Uh, we should check this. So we did a bit of checking actually just to see whether it makes sense um, using the old fashioned uh, traditional polling methods as well to double check. And one thing that came out very, uh, was a very interesting thing, was that normally in elections, and this goes right back to Bob McKenzie and Peter Snow, there was a swingometer. And it sort of moved a bit to the left and a bit to the right. And if, say, the Conservatives were losing 10% on the swingometer, they tend to lose about 10% in every seat. So the, the strong seats, the medium seats, and so on would all, yes. would all be about right. And it, and it was a pretty good rule of thumb, actually. What our, our big poll has shown is we looked at how Conservative support is holding up in the very strong Conservative seats and also the seats that are pretty strong but not quite as strong as the, as the most strong ones. And there, the really bad results for the Conservative Party there is that they are losing more seats, more support in the strong seats than the national average. And that's unusual. That's different. That, that nationally, they, they're losing about 22%, but in the very strong seats, they're losing 30% support. So the and, losses, and you say you say strong seats. That those you mean safe seats, don't you? Yes, the the, the one hundred and twenty safest conservative seats in the country were looked at. And why are they losing so many seats there? Is that because of the Reform Party? Uh, I, I'm sure that's a bit of it. That they may not all be going to Labour. Those conservatives, because in in your polling, the Reform Party was given six percent. Yeah. Uh, on your forecasting, but no MPs, which suggests they're just nibbling away at the at the Tories in their in their heartlands. Yeah. So the last election, Boris Johnson was very successful in kind of. Um, grouping together all the centre-right voters for the Conservative Party and not being split in a way that the centre-left is split between Labour, Lib Dems and Greens. But that's now unwinding that some of the Conservatives are going off the Reform Party. And uh, the danger for the Conservatives, if this continues, is that this is even worse than in 1997 when Tony Blair had his big landslide, because uh, even though that was very bad for the Conservatives, their support held up better in their stronger seats. And now we're seeing the, the opposite of that support is hemorrhaging in the strong seats. Conservative voters, left, right and centre are disappearing. Um, either not going to vote, they're going to reform, some going to Labour. But this is what could make it cataclysmic for the Conservatives if nothing changes from where it is now. It'd be historically bad. I mean, look at the names of ministers, MPs who, who are out of politics uh, for five years, 15 cabinet ministers losing their seats, including, unbelievably, Rishi Sunak, the MP for Richmond, James Cleverley, Foreign Secretary, Home Secretary, Swella Braveman, former Prime Ministers, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, they're gone, as is Kwasi Kwarteng, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer. This would be cataclysmic for the party. Yes, I mean, as much 
easier actually and shorter to give the list of people because those who are expected to keep their seats uh jeremy hunt and uh, michael gove i think might be all right right um, but it is um you know it would be a a bit like i don't know if you remember the conservatives in canada got wiped out to a similar extent after a period in office so it could be like that parties can rebuild but it is uh you know it's a long way back and so the the conservatives right now are in a big hole that boris johnson was a big election winner and ever since he became tarnished and, and was kicked out by the parliamentary party. The poll ratings have been very bad for the Conservatives. Is there a crumb of comfort for the Tory party? Um, there is a little bit in the sense that unlike 1997, where Tony Blair was very popular and very charismatic, Keir Starmer has not got the same popularity. We also asked uh, people in the poll who would make the best prime minister, um, Keir Starmer, Rishi Sunak, or, or Don't Know. And Don't Know one with a big bullet, actually. Don't Know was about half the population uh, Keir Starmer on a third and Rishi Sunak on about a fifth. So Keir Starmer is not enthusing the public, but the Conservatives seem to be uh, repelling the public. Well, on that note, a difficult note for the Tory party, um, but let's see what their answer might be. Martin Baxter, the Chief Executive of Electoral Calculus, thank you for joining us this week on Chopper's Politics Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Martin Baxter there. Now, just three weeks ago, Ashfield Tory MP Lee Anderson was on this podcast. Then he challenged Steve Bray, a very noisy protester against Brexit and Tory policies, to a boxing match to settle their differences. Since then, he's been made deputy chairman of the party, not Steve Bray, Lee Anderson. And now he's in some hot water with comments emerging just today on Thursday that he supports bringing back hanging. With me now is the other Deputy Chairman of the Tory Party, Nikki Aitken, MP. Nikki Aitken, Deputy Chairman of the Tory Party, welcome to Chopper's Politics Podcast. Great to have you on. Thank you. I am a Deputy Chairman. You'd have thought by the news this week that yes. there was only one. In fact, let's, let's go into the Lee Anderson affair straight away. Do you want to bring back hanging? Uh, I, I've never been pro the death penalty, but... you know, well, you're the, MP for, for the City of London and Westminster. Yeah. It happened all the time in the old days. Well, you know, of course, that was You've like gone. 100 years ago. <laughs> but, you know, it goes back to the point, Chris, where we all have different opinions across the country. There will be, you know, Labour supporters who believe in the death penalty. There are Conservative par- Party members and MPs who don't. It's just a broad church in both parties. And it's a personal view. Mm. And he's unvarnished, isn't he, Lee Anderson? I mean, he is who he is. Exactly, but I absolutely adore Lee Anderson. He's a good mate of mine. And, you know, you, can you get much further difference between, you know, an MP for the cities of London and an MP yeah. for Ashfield? But we're both conservatives. We both have conservative values. And I think what Lee Anderson represents is the millions of voters, Labour voters, who have left the Labour Party mm. because they felt forgotten, they felt disillusioned by what Labour had offered them for decades. And, you know, he realised that actually it was the Conservative Party that is the party of the people. It's the party of meritocracy. There's the yin and yang in the, in the party, isn't it? You're the yang and he's the yin or vice versa. He said, he said that um, nobody's ever committed a crime after being executed. You know, these are things which people might say in the pub. Uh, they're not things you might say in public life anymore. Is that, is that the difference? But don't we he, want people who go to pubs being on the green benches. Don't we want people from all walks of life? And that's why I'm so proud, particularly of my intake, the 2019 intake, because it represents the United you're Kingdom. Both, you're both elected at the same time to Parliament. Yeah, yeah, he, he's with the same intake. That's why, mm. you know, I've got to know him. And I, and I absolutely 
think he is uh, an, an excellent MP. He represents the people of Ashfield. You see him on the green benches, you know, speaking from the heart. He has got a huge following in his constituency. They absolutely adore him. And, and so they should because he works so hard for them. But it goes back to the point, Chris, where, you know, he is his constituency. And, and, and you know, so long may it, that so, be. So is, there, is the fact that BBC are covering it today on Thursday, is it a, and it's on The Spectator last week, is there a snobbery about him, do you think? Is there a kind of um, bien passant view of it all that he, this guy is, needs to be putting it back in his box? Well, I think we would do good if the BBC would have more people from across the country working in their editorial teams. You know, I would I would suggest that, and I haven't done any research into this, but I wouldn't be surprised at the makeup of those working in the BBC editorial teams, you know, gone to Oxford or to uh, certain universities. Look, put it this way. Look at Paul Howell, who represents Sedgefield. Who represented Sedgefield for the Labour Party? Tony Blair, who went to the Eton of Scotland, mm. was a barrister in, um, in, in central London and was then parachuted in mm. Sedgefield. He had absolutely no well, connection. Alison came from the place, he, you know, Paul, he, yeah, he know, still what, lives five miles away yeah, from where he was born. Exactly, I mean, and, Paul, and Paul does in Sedgefield. So, you know, that's what is fantastic about our party Democ- now. And our democracy, and baby. our democracy, yeah. And that's what it's about. It's about the people... Yeah in the constituencies, coming to Parliament to sit on the green benches yep. to yep. be their voice. He's overseas on a trip at the moment, isn't he? Um, but well, is he know, OK? I mean, if you talk yeah, to him? Yeah, I've, 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 um, I've been in contact with him. You know, he's, uh, he's fine. You know, you know it, it's water off a duck's back, quite literally for mm-hmm. Lee, because he says, A up my duck. Um, <laughs> so, uh, do you know what? I think we need more real people in politics, in Parliament. So he's not going to be sacked? No, he's just been appointed. <laughs> like, you know, and that, and and, and you there'll know, be he, lots more Twitter archaeology on him. You know, well, let let you know, let you know. You know what David Cameron said about too many tweets, and I think <laughs> he's up. absolutely right. And you know, let Lee do his job as deputy chairman. He is going to be a brilliant deputy chairman. He'll be working with the membership. You know, he'll be increasing the membership, no doubt. And if the intelligentsia want to go on and and criticise him, basically. If they criticise Lee for his views, they are criticising a huge swathe of his mm. constituents. He, 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 he's on my podcast, I think, two or three weeks ago. talks about striving. He talks about the need for more tax cuts, all that kind of thing. Is that where the party needs to go? We had this polling out in the Telegraph on Thursday from the MRP polling showing Labour winning at over 500 seats. The Tories relegated to being the third party. Look, I think... Polls at the moment, you know, you can't take. Yeah, them. that's an election now. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, it's election now, and there's not going to be election now. You know, I think we've got to give Rishi and his team the time to deliver what he has promised to deliver. You know, we've seen a massive change in departments this week, really focused on what he wants to do. You know, we've got a new business and trade, we've got the new science and um, innovation technology departments, and that's really important moving forward now. We're in the third decade of the 21st century we've got to look at the future and that's about science and technology and that's great long-term stuff isn't it yeah. but it won't shift the dial short term in the polls no but i think i think the polls are quite i, I personally think they're quite soft and i don't labor's leader soft i do not believe that labor have got a winning message at the moment they haven't got the policies they talk a lot of talk there's no policy behind their rhetoric mm-hmm. and i think we, we had 
Rishi come in in October to calm the situation. He's calmed the situation now. Now he is going to be striving forward with the confidence, I think. Has he got the political touch to be a, a Prime Minister? I mean, he, oh, yeah, absolutely. He did this, the cabinet reshuffle was basically a cabinet shuffle. No one lost jobs. More jobs are created. Well, you know, I mean, he doesn't want to make any enemies, maybe. No, I don't think that's true. I think, you know, you don't go into politics to make friends, um, particularly. Yeah. But what he's done with his mini reshuffle, if you like, is change the departments mm. because that's what he wanted to focus on. But in that beginning, he had to calm the markets. He had to bring back the confidence in um, our fiscal and economic policy. And that was the right thing to do. Now, three months on, he can do what he wants to do. You're really important as a deputy chairman of the party because, of course, members had no vote on Rishi Sunak being made prime minister. He was appointed. What's your message to members now who might feel a bit bruised by that? Look, I think it was, you know, it was a very long leadership contest in the summer and I think we were all bruised. You're, all, you're always yeah you're always going to get bruised during a, a, such a contest but it's time now to unite it's time to move on we are the Conservative Party we are the party of the people and it's clear from what, how we're represented on the green benches now we have got the uh, policies we know what and the energy you're not, you're not exhausted no absolutely I'm not exhausted no, you never are Nikki <laughs> um, no we've got Greg Hands now a brilliant new chairman who I've, I've worked with Greg he's for- a Remainer does that matter of course it doesn't matter. We're all, you know, we're Vote all... Vote Remain in 16. Yeah, I voted Remain. And, you know, I came into politics in 2019 because I was sick to death of what was going on in Parliament. Nobody could make a decision. And, you know, the referendum was the largest vote in this nation's history. I may not have agreed with the outcome, but I live with the outcome and I'm actually happy to deliver on the outcome because it is called democracy, Chris, and yeah. that's what we've got to answer to When's the people. When's election? Uh, next year. 18 months away? Who knows? 15 to 20 months away. <laughs> he sends out, Craig just hands out an a, a email with 18 in the subject line, didn't he? Yeah, but look, it will be <laughs> when it will be. Um, and between then and now, I'm going to be working hard to support Vichy and uh, the team and support yeah. Greg. He's such a campaigner. I'm a huge campaigner. I don't know whether you've seen our bus campaign. No, hello. Um, oh, yes, you need to look on, on, our, on our Twitter and our social media page. Right. We've... Um, We've got almost legendary bus videos, Greg and I together, yeah. Oh, you and you and him on buses. You're, yeah, you, me. That's right. Greg is a massive bus. Because you're the MP for Cities of London and Westminster, of course. Yeah, you and, are, he's and, Chelsea and he's Chelsea and Philip, so, so we're, we're next door neighbours. And other. we share a lot of buses, but he is a huge bus lover. He loves his yeah. buses. Just finally, looking forward into the May local elections. That's the first mm. big test of Rishi Sunak and summer forecasting could be a difficult time for him if the polls don't recover, if lots of councillors across Middle England lose their jobs. What's your forecast for the May locals? Look, you've got to be realistic. We have been in power for 13 years. You know, I, I was first elected in 2006 under a Labour as a government. Councillor. As a councillor, yeah, as a councillor to Westminster. And Labour had been in power for nine years. And I remember then that, you know, people were, you know, saying, well, we're going to vote for you because we don't like the Labour government. It always happens at this stage in, in a cycle. And what I would say to voters is think local, vote for your candidate, particularly your Conservative candidate who has worked and represented you for years. Don't think about, about the national picture. Think about What's the local picture. What's your modelling at the moment on losses? 7,000 seats up for grabs? 7, I, look, I, 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 I honestly don't know, Chris, and I, and I honestly don't know yeah. what, what's going to happen. But our What's a good result for the Tory party? Well, to, to win as many seats Losing as possible. Look, I'm not going to go into numbers because I don't... Because I, I know it's... It's always it, a numbers it, game. Always, we, we don't know what's going to happen between now and May. But what I would say is it's about the local story. It's about what you want locally. 
and the you know amazing Conservative councillors we have got up and down the country who are making a difference, who keep the council tax as low as possible, who do um, you know deliver for the people they represent. So don't don't think big picture in local elections. It's called local elections. Vote locally. Well, Nikki Aitken, uh, Deputy Chairman of the Tory Party with Lee Anderson, her pal, thank you for joining us this week on Chopper's Politics Podcast. Thank you. Pleasure. Nikki Aitken there. Coming up, an old friend of the podcast, Jacob Rees-Mogg, with his views on hanging and Ricky Sunak. Right after this. If you're finding this podcast interesting, you may also like Ukraine, the latest. Every weekday, The Telegraph's leading journalists bring you the latest news and the most informed analysis of President Putin's invasion of Ukraine. From our newsroom in London and from the ground. The Russian machine has been ground to a halt now for well over a week, and that is just staggering. NATO has to act now. It has to do more than it's currently doing. Otherwise, in this Ukrainian MP's words, you'll have to evacuate the whole continent. One video that we found to be incorrect was bomb squads seen in the Donbass region. The metadata of this clip shows that it was created in 2019, not today. Search Ukraine, the latest, in the same place you're listening to this, and click follow so you don't miss an update. Now, Jacob Rees-Mogg is now on the back benches of the Tory party, but his views are well listened to among the party's grassroots. Anyone remember Mogmentum? Well, Jacob's here in the Redland pub now. Jacob Rees-Mogg, welcome back to Chopper Politics. You're an old friend of the podcast, one of the original guests, I think. You've been on it about half a dozen times now. Well, so great all, to have you on. It's always an absolute pleasure to come on. I've never asked you this question, though, in all the times being on the podcast. Do you want to bring back hanging? No, I don't. I believe in the sanctity of life, and I believe that life should be preserved from the point of conception to the point of natural death. Mm. You can get into the arguments on the just war and how that is set out, and we'd happily have a discussion on that. But other than the, the just war, I don't think the state has the right to take life. So when, when Lee Anderson said that it was a good idea to the spectator last week, and he said that nobody's ever committed a crime after being executed, what do you make of that? Um, well, well, uh, Cromwell, whose statue I walked past uh, on the way to the <laughs> Red Lion, was dug up to be executed. <laughs> He'd already died, <laughs> he died, and they stuck his head on a pole as a traitor, <laughs> which, of course, he was, and regicide. I've always thought that, as with abortion and euthanasia, capital punishment is a conscience issue, and MPs, members of the Tory party, members of the government, are entitled to take any view on it. I don't think there is a formal Conservative Party policy. So Lee is completely entitled Mm. to Mm. say this and to argue for this. And I can't say that when people uh, share my um, views on these sorts of matters, it's a matter of conscience and it's fine. And when they disagree that they're breaching party policy, that would be absurd. Yes. So he's just saying what he he feels. And that's the nature of of the unvarnished person who he is. Politicians should more often say what they actually think and tell voters what they believe in rather than pretending something else. So authenticity is what they respond to. Didn't Pretty Patel say on question time a few years ago that she was not against capital punishment. I think that was yeah, that was a historic position and I, I've never I've never heard a whether it still is or not yes. but I, I I mean I think MPs in all parties are entitled to hold this view our mm. most important ally the United States carries out in some states uh, executions and and federally yeah. I think they're still you're a friend of, of Lee Anderson he told me for the Sunday Telegraph a few weeks ago that 
he said, I can honestly say that some of the people that he has met have made him feel the most welcome, like being a working-class bloke. People like Richard Drax and Jacob Rees-Mogg. Well, Lee is a good Tory politician, mm. and why should I not welcome him as an MP? He won a seat that it was hard to win. He makes an impact, and he says conservative things. Mm. I mean, this is just the sort of person we need in the party. And do you find it interesting the party can have you in it and he in it? I mean, you with your, your wealth and your houses in, in London and Somerset, and he being brought up in Ashfield, a single dad, down the mines, worked an extra day to get money, sold his car when he ran out of money. I mean, is it, it's, it's quite interesting that the party can have two people like you in the same party. But isn't this the Disraeli settlement of the party, that, that this is what Disraeli worked out, that the party had to appeal to all sections of society and that if it didn't, it wouldn't get anywhere. And the Conservative Party has continued with the Disraeli inheritance. And actually, one of the great expense of that, somebody who did this so well, was Boris Johnson, because he appealed to the whole country. If you look at the 2019 election result, uh, we win seats across other than Scotland, mm. where we still win some seats, but across the whole uh, of um, England and Wales, we do extremely well because of that appeal throughout society. And that's what the Conservatives should be. The Conservative Party is not a factional party. We are not the coming together of fissy Paris minorities to create a majority. We are a party that recognises the overall interest of society as a whole represented through the individuals who want to vote if for you us. had to distill that down what, what would it be is it is it striving not relying on the state that kind of thing well we believe what, in, what unites you and lee anderson we we believe that in the individual and that society is built by individuals and their families coming together rather than a top-down approach where the state directs how people should live mm. uh, we believe that people who work hard should benefit uh, from this and shouldn't have the state take it away from them. We believe that people probably do better for themselves than if the state takes over control of their lives. So we're not broadly in favour of the of the nanny state, for want of a better term. Why then is the party so far behind in the polls? Why is this, this almost kind of cemented in now, a 20-point lead for the Labour Party? Um... Well, uh, there are all sorts of reasons. We've been in office for a long time. Um, last year didn't cover us in glory. We managed to chuck out the leader who had a mandate from the British people, which was a particularly stupid thing to do, as I said at the time, and seen no reason to change my view on this. Uh, I thought it treated the electorate badly because they had given Boris Johnson a mandate. It was much more of a personal mandate than it is well, in on that, How many of those 14 theory? million votes in 2019 were down to Boris Johnson personally, do you think, if you're putting a number on that? Well, it, it's, quite, it's quite hard to say, because people obviously have mixed motives. So there will be some people who were thinking of voting Conservative and that extra 5% was Boris. There are some people who just carry on voting Conservative because they always do, even if they weren't pro-Boris. So it's hard to put a precise number on it. But it's definitely what gave us the overwhelming majority, and people knew what they were voting for, and that was Boris Johnson. And they then found they got something completely different because of a few disgruntled MPs. Mm. Is it time to bring back Boris? No, I don't think that's practical. I mean, I think from where Even we are... Even pre-election, what happened? I, I think we must stick to the leader that we've got. I'm supporting the Prime Minister. I think the Tory party uh, did another change of leaders. We'd go even further down in the polls. We need to back Rishi. He needs to carry on with things he's doing. He 
promising to deal with small boats is really very important. Mm. Um, Half inflation, NHS waiting list. Is that enough, though? Is that enough to, to get the, the juices flowing in the Tory party faithful? I mean, I'm going to say tax cuts to you, and you might agree with that. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not as far away from the position of the Prime Minister as you might think that I believe that tax cuts should be matched by a reduction in the size of the state. We need to spend less money. We are spending too much taxpayers' money. Um, a lot of it we spend badly. That One of the things I was doing for, for Boris was trying to look at waste within the system, of which there's billions and billions of pounds. I, I think if you just say tax cuts and let's leave it at that, that's only one half of the economic strategy. How many civil servants should go? Well, we were working on 91,000, and as none of them are coming into work, no. I, I think you might be able to be more ambitious. Jeremy Hunt's come round to your way of thinking on work from home. You tell me on this podcast how we thought used to raise an eyebrow whenever you talk about working from home in, when you were business secretary, and now, now he's inside the, the big tent, he believes it's a bit damaging to productivity. Well, it is. There are figures showing productivity is down the public sector by 7.5%. If you take the passport office, and it is now getting passports out again and mm. hitting its target, but its target's been left at 10 weeks when it used to be three weeks. Mm. It's a long time to wait. It's a long time to wait. So what should the party be doing now, do you think, to try and claw back some of that lead that Labour's got? We had a, a poll, an MRP polling in the Telegraph this morning that talks about 500-plus seats for the Labour Party, the Tory party being the third party behind the SNP, being the official opposition. That, that would be a complete disaster. What should he be doing now that he's not doing? Um, I think we should take these polls very seriously. You know the standard answer about saying the only poll that matters is one election day. And that, of course, of course is, is true. It's true, but... Politicians always look at polls. They're fascinated by them, uh, and they are an essential part of... Uh, mm. That was 28,000 people, that poll. It was a big one. It's a big poll, and you get down to a constituency level. And why we should take it particularly seriously is that when we had polls of this kind, which we did in the 1980s and in the 1990s, which had a complete wipeout of the Conservative Party, we hadn't seen the wipeout of the Labour Party in Scotland going from whatever it was, about 50 seats to one seat. Mm. Uh, and we hadn't seen what had happened to Labour in the north of England either. Yeah. And it does seem as if parties can go from holding a lot of seats to virtually none. I mean, look, Lib Dems in 2015, when they went down, what were they, 70 seats to about 10? So, so these extreme moves can happen. Mm. makes your question even more important. What should we do? Well, I think... Rishi is getting most of this right, that calm, sensible government is what we need, rather than thinking that there is some big tank-busting idea but, but that you new, can New government departments, job creation exercises, these are things which... I mean, when you were, when you were there, do you think you, you worked in the ship of state, did it need this change that happened on, on Tuesday? I certainly thought digital shouldn't be with DCMS. It didn't make any sense being with DCMS. It only gone there because Vince Cable got caught in a surgery saying how much he disliked Rupert Murdoch. Yes. Um, and therefore, he had to, to lose it. And then it moved to Jeremy Hunt, who was at uh, DCMS at the time. And that, that was something done for an immediate political problem. But DCMS is not the right place for digital, never was. Mm. Uh, that's much better off in what was Bayes. It makes sense to have international trade with Bayes. Energy is a more interesting one about whether energy should have its own department. Yeah. Net zero has now, now got a focus. Well, on that, that, that can be a risk because we've got to have intelligent net zero, not economy-crushing net zero. 
And I worry that an individual department that all it does is net zero won't give tuppence about the economy. Whereas within Bayes, there was also the business drive. And we are ruining our steel industry in this country because of our energy policies, because of net zero. And we are importing steel uh, that uses more emissions because we have... Because think, think, the cost of getting here uses emissions. Uses emissions, but because we have a system that makes our energy prices so high that our steel industry is uncompetitive. So as a sort of deliberate consequence of our green policies, we are ruining our steel industry. And that's the sort of thing where you needed a business department. So the kind of long-term thing he did this week is frustrating to some of your colleagues who think it's not enough to get the the poles back to where they need to be for the toy party. That's a a, a phantasm, isn't it? You you know, the the, the thought that um, the the Prime Minister could... um, pogo stick down Whitehall and that would make everybody think gosh he's very okay. exciting you probably, probably good I can imagine what a pogo stick more than Boris Johnson isn't how politics works that politics works by doing the boring detail of good administration and if the change of departments is symbolic of that that is actually a perfectly sensible thing to do mm. uh, announcing what was it Tony Blair said eye-catching ideas that can be associated with me actually doesn't do you any good. Yeah. The electorate sees through that. He's quite thorough, isn't he? He's seeing where the problem is. And he, he, maybe the big eye-catching stuff might be next year and next year's budget. We need good, diligent administration of the state. And if he can do that, the polls ought to come is, back a bit. Uh, uh, we're not going to talk about, about Liz Truss. And, uh, but it, 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 do you think, do you want the former Prime Ministers, Boris Johnson or Liz Truss, to be more loyal to Rishi Sunak? I'm not sure that Boris Johnson helped yesterday by calling for more jets in the way he did, for example for Zelensky and, and Ukraine? Well, no, I'd go back to Lee Anderson. I think politicians need to say what they think as part of the political debate. The strong leader can cope with all of that. Yeah. Did, did you meet uh, President Zelensky? I, I didn't know, but I was in the hall. And yes, it, was it looked amazing, yeah. An amazing speech. Yes. Absolutely amazing. I think I will rarely hear a speech of more importance or better delivered. And the, the way he targeted what he wanted was formidable. He got basically the whole of the political nation thinking at the end of his speech that we should be providing jets to Ukraine. And yeah. that was a very powerful thing to do. Just fine, Jacob Richmond. How are you spending your time on the back benches? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm able to say what I think, come on podcasts like this without <laughs> uh, being told what I meant to say, which makes politics much more interesting. And I will be doing a stint with GB News. So huh? people will be able to get my views even more regularly, not just through uh, your, your podcast. <laughs> well, Jacob Smog, it's great to have you on the podcast again. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Jacob Smog there. And thank you to all my guests, Nikki Aitken MP, Jacob Smog MP, and of course, Electoral Calculus' CEO, Martin Baxter. Let me know your thoughts. Please email me, chopperspolitics at telegraph.co.uk or on Twitter. You can find us at chopperspodcast. Thank you to my producers this week, Giles Gear and Louisa Wells. But most importantly of all, thank you to you for listening. If you do need more Chopper's Politics in your life, and if so, I can't blame you, please do sign up to my daily Chopper's Politics newsletter. You'll get gossip in my daily Westminster Whispers column, and also insights delivered straight into your email inbox every weekday. The link to sign up for that is in the show notes to this episode. And please do check out my weekly Peterborough Diary Gossip column out every Friday evening at 7pm online and in Saturday's copy of The Daily Telegraph. Until next time, though, from the Red Line Pub, cheerio!